Thank you for listening to a message from the Oak Haven Church. The following sermon was recorded during our Sunday morning worship service. We hope that this message will be helpful to you and encourage you to explore the Word of God. And now, this week's message. Okay, so uh, this scripture is coming from uh, James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And this next one's from Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all commandments, which one is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love your Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. In Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Uh, This is going to be a random one-off sermon, not tied to anything that came before it or will come after it. It's given by me, a volunteer, not a paid professional, and as my mother always said, you're worth what you charge. Um, Tanny and I have read a lot of books over the years where the author isn't so much talking to us, but talking to themselves. Uh, It's as though they're saying something that he or she wants to get off their chest. This sermon today is probably a lot like that. Not much in it for you, but might make me feel good. Uh, If you can snag a useful thought nugget or two, well, good for you. Things I think I think. This phrase is not original to me. Uh, I heard it from a sportscaster several years ago, and I went out to the internet to look it up to give him credit, and he wasn't given credit. There was a, a book by that title, but it's a recent book, so I suspect that the author of Think Things I Think I Think stole it from the sportscaster from years before, but I don't know that. At any rate, things I think I think. I'm not sure. I think so. I believe. But you can believe something really hard and still be wrong. People believe what they want to believe. They are biased. I am biased. You are biased. We are the products of our thoughts and experiences. Some of that we can control, some we can't, but it all affects us. Affects me, anyway. And the things I think I think. I have several things I think I think that may be useful to you, but I'm not going to give you insights into all 19 of them. I'm only going to talk about three. Well, maybe four. We'll see how it goes. The first one is God plays the long game. God is a long-term player. He has plans with us, for us, but some of them take a long time. Let me show you what I mean. We're going to start today with Abram. He lived, we believe, around 2000 B.C., a long time ago. His name, Abraham, was ironic. It means exalted father. Uh, 
But Abraham was 75 years old when God came to him, and he had no children, and his prospects weren't good. Uh, God came to him and said, Go where I will send you, and I will make of your descendants a great nation with inhabitants more numerous than stars in the sky or sand on the shore. Now, Hebrews didn't believe in a physical, eternal life. They believed in kind of a metaphorical one. What I mean by that is you believe when you die that you're going to go to heaven. The Hebrews believed that they could live on into the future if their lineage, their seed, their descendants lived on. So when God says to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation, it's not like, oh, cool, I get to be king of a country. No, no. A great nation will come out of you, be born of you, will be your descendants. That's a much bigger deal to a Hebrew. In fact, that's really the biggest deal of all. Abram shows up in chapter 11 of Genesis, and his story runs all the way to chapter 25. So there's a lot of stuff there, very interesting, lots of twists and turns. God shows up repeatedly in his life, and again, promising him many descendants and a great nation. 25 years later, after God shows up, Abram has a son, Isaac. God changes Abram's name from Abram, exalted father, to Abraham, father of multitudes, or father of nations. Uh, then the story in the Bible after Genesis 25 kind of shifts to Isaac. Uh, God reaffirms the promise of his blessing, of his descendants, uh, that they will be a blessing to the nations of the earth, uh, and he encourages Isaac to be faithful the way Abraham was faithful. Isaac becomes the father of Jacob, of Jacob and Esau fame. Abraham, Jacob famously wrestles with an angel. God renames him Israel, which means wrestles with God. Jacob had 12 sons, including Joseph, and they make up the last, or the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph has an exciting life, sold into slavery, interprets a king's dream, gets made governor of Egypt. He's famously responsible for storing up grain prior to a famine. His father, Jacob, now known as Israel, comes to Egypt for grain and gets asked to stay as a guest. The tribes multiply. Egypt perceives them as a threat over time, and the pharaoh turns them into slaves. God plays the long game. The Hebrew Israelites were in Egypt 430 years, according to the book of Exodus. Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Joseph, Moses. Abraham was born in 2000 BC. Moses was born 600 years later. Jesus was born 1400 years later. And here are you and I. 2,000 years after that. Now, there was a whole lot of action between Abraham to Moses and a lot more from Moses to Jesus. Jesus came, taught, died, was resurrected 2,000 years ago. God plays the long game. So what? God plays the long game, and it's still going on. He wants us to be patient. God is in control he has a plan. Know that you are part of something larger, much larger, and it's still going on. 
God is not afraid of time like we are. We are his children. He will take care of us. He wants us to hang in there, to stay in touch with prayer, to live the life he has laid out with patience. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. In the uh, version that we had on the screen, it said, the fruit of the Spirit is a love, joy, peace, forbearance. The King James says, long-suffering. That, that's a little more graphic to me, but we need patience. Okay, things I think I think. Another thing I think is that God is not fair. There you go. That's me. That's what I think. I am not rich and famous and handsome and skinny. Some people are, and they have straight teeth, great hair. They can sing and dance and catch a football. I can't do those things. That's not fair. Why can and But some people live in nice homes in a nice neighborhood with air conditioning, indoor plumbing, and regular garbage pickup. That's where I live. That's not really fair either. Some people have enough money to meet their needs and then some. That's me. Once again, that's not fair. Many, many people on this planet are desperately poor. In fact, most of them are. Many live in terrible conditions of filth, pollution, disease, and have no hope of getting a better life. That's terribly unfair. Would you like to live in Ukraine right now? What have those people done to deserve the bombs, death, and destruction they've suffered? They have to suffer. Does that seem fair to you? In the U.S., where I live, where you live, the average life expectancy is 77. In Nigeria, it's 54. Practically everyone in here would have croaked by now if, it were, if we were from Nigeria. Is that fair? God is not fair. So what? God does not promise us fairness. He promises forgiveness. God is not as concerned about our circumstances as that we make the most of what we have. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But through the grace of Christ's sacrifice, your sins are forgiven. That's not fair. We are richly blessed. God promises joy and peace to those who trust him. He promises victory over death and eternal life. God is on your side. He plays a long game. He has a great plan for you. And he's absolutely not fair. Because fairness is not what matters. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted from the world. Things I think I think. The Bible is all you need, but it's not all there is. A quick internet check told me that there are over 45,000 different Christian denominations around the world. This isn't churches. This is denominations. These are groups with set out names and charters and you know, mission statements and stuff. And they're all based on the same book, the Bible. Uh, they all obviously interpret it slightly differently. Uh, and I wonder what God thinks about that sometimes. Uh, could either be a really good thing like, I want you to grab hold of this Bible and make it yours. Or it could be a really bad thing, like, duh, 45,000. Are you kidding? That's, that's a ridiculous uh, amount of diversity there, or divergence, you might call it. Um, 
but um, and on all of these are trying to do the best they can. I'm not sure how that squares with what we studied in Paul's letters. We're all one faith, all one body, etc. Uh, but you know, there are many great thinkers throughout the world, throughout history, philosophers, writers, speakers, leaders, who have a lot of excellent things to say, things that are not in the Bible. The unexamined life is not worth living. That was Socrates, that was 450 BC. Um, the examined life is no picnic either. Uh, that was Bob Fulgham. He's the guy that wrote everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten. Uh, there's philosophers everything, everywhere. Uh, a quote I like that I think is very relevant. Prayer is not asking. It is a longing of the soul. It is a daily admission of one's weakness. It's better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart. That was Mahatma Gandhi, he's a Hindu, was a Hindu. The uh, tradition of agape, or unconditional love, is not exclusive to Christianity or really any religion. It's a primary principle in a number of religions and philosophies worldwide. It challenges us to love your enemies or to love without thought of return. Buddhists have something called a path of compassion where caring for others becomes the motivation force behind their existence. Hindus have a branch of yoga, the heart-centered path, that leads to enlightenment through an overwhelming love of God that takes the form of loving all humanity. Eastern religions, such as Taoism and Confucianism, see transcendent love as essential to true wisdom. The Bible is all you need, but it's not all there is. So what? Well, there is great wisdom out there, but today, more than ever before, there's a lot of clutter, a lot of noise that distracts us. It distracts us from staying focused and doing what's right. The media today is crazy, I don't have to tell you that. Anything that will grab your attention, get you excited, get you angry, get you fearful, is thrown at you via the TV, the internet, and these things. We all have these things. Remember when a phone used to be just a phone and when it would sit on a desk or hang on a wall? Now it's a computer, it's GPS, information finder, weather forecaster, game console, a thousand other things. Many of them are good, but all of them are potential distractions. Uh, my, uh, my, uh, some of my grandchildren had had these things. This is called a fidget spinner. Fidget spinner. This is a fancy one. It, it lights up, and uh, it can, you know, sort of get in the way. My kids, who are in their forties now, when they were young, they had these things. You know what these are? That's a snap bracelet. Okay, that's a cool thing. Um, I did a quick search about social media. Stuff you know, stuff you don't, things you hear about a lot. I did a quick search on the top 50 in the world. How many of these do you know? 
Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp, MySpace, Flickr, PhotoBucket, LinkedIn, Dig, Ning, Help, Tag, Squidoo, Scribd, StumbleUpon, High Five, TikTok, Bebo, Reddit, My Yearbook, Technorati, Caboodle, Prince, and there's a lot more in the top 50. Um, but we'll let that pass. I have a friend, Brenda, maybe you know her. She's uh, fond of saying, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm still working on those, she says. When I get those things down, I'll start working on something else. Good advice. Simple, but not easy. It's all you really need. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Uh, it's not just what you think or believe. It's how you act. Well, that's it. Um, that's the first and probably last installment of things I think I think. Um, but I encourage you to, to think. I encourage you to figure out what's important to you. And and stay in the game. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Let's end today. Let's all stand, if we can, and say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Oak Haven Church. We are located at 2175 Witzel Avenue in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. To hear previous podcasts, visit our website at oakhavenchurch.net.